You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Thank you for being here. Welcome to Cypher Christian Church. I'm Kevin Gallimore, one of the pastors here, and we are grateful that you're here worshiping with us today. We know it's going to be rainy a little bit later, and so we're thankful that you you made the drive here, and uh, we believe wholeheartedly that God has a purpose and a reason for you being here today, for you to hear a word from God, and we hope that you leave this place encouraged and filled with hope. And so uh, we're going to get started here in just a minute. Uh, We've had some technical difficulties this morning, so we thank you for your patience. Why don't you stand, uh, find somebody around you, say hello, and we'll continue in just a moment. All right, all right. Well, we're going to get started here this morning, but I want to uh, draw your attention to a couple of announcements. First of all, if you're a guest and this is your first time here, we want to make sure that you fill out a connection card and take it to our welcome desk out in the foyer. We have a free gift for you, Uh, so make sure you do that on your way out. Um, The second thing is uh, we've got several uh, Easter services that are happening, some exciting things that are happening over the next couple of weeks. Um, We are just a couple of weeks away now from Easter. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And then that following Friday is gonna be Good Friday. We're gonna have a special service here in the worship center at 6.30 p.m. on Good Friday. And then that following Sunday, of course, is Easter Sunday morning. We're going to have a special pancake breakfast that's hosted by the men's ministry. Uh, they're going to be uh, serving us some food out of the gym. That's going to be happening at 8.30 a.m. And then after that, we're going to have our regular, regularly scheduled Easter uh, service or regularly scheduled worship service in here for Easter. That's going to be at 10.15 a.m. And so we encourage you to invite your friends, invite your coworkers. Listen, people are looking, a lot of people are looking for invitations to churches. Maybe they've, they've said, you know what, we need to go to church this year for Easter, uh, but we don't have a church. Which one are we going to go to? Maybe they're thinking about it. And all it takes is you going, you know what, why don't you come with us? Why don't you join us for Easter? So this is a great time of year to reach out to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, and invite them. Um, So uh, looking forward to those services with you, celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Lastly, we kind of had a hiccup this morning. Not really sure why it happened, but uh, we suddenly don't have our screens, our projectors. So we don't have lyrics, but you have them in your bulletins. We printed out the lyrics there. And so we encourage you to look at those and to sing along and please participate. This is not a concert. This is a participatory sport, right? We're here to worship the living God. And so we encourage you to worship with us this morning. Uh, All of that stuff is, it's just light on a screen, right? It's just projected lights, an illusion. What we are doing is worshiping with our hearts, with our bodies to express our gratitude to the Lord. So why don't we stand and Shannon's going to give us our call. So we are moving into, I'm putting on my special voice, time of, time of giving. And this is how it's going to go. That basket's going to come by. You're going, men, Mike's looking at me like, oh no. Men, you're going to get your wallets out and you're going to go, open that thing up and you're going to throw it in there. Ladies, big purses, tip it up. Hang on, I'm not ready yet. You've got to drop it in there. And then on Monday, our beautiful Kay in back office there is going to be tallying up how the giving went this Sunday. And there's going to be a mass of money in there. It's going to be so good. And eventually in the week, she'll probably report that number to Dale. And Dale will go, Kay, I think you put too many zeros on this. And she'll go, no, no, it was Hanrad's. He was out in the front. and He's so good. <laughs> and... and uh, They'll go, yeah, we'll have to invite him back. And um, it's not that way, is it, really? It's not that way at all. Your giving is between you and the Lord. Um, Yesterday, we had our small group, life group, meet at our house. And uh, we had coffee, cake, cookies. And I know what I'm having for lunch today, because there's a lot left, and you're invited. But... um, the subject that we discussed was angels. So what pops into your head when we talk about angels? And uh, you don't have to go too far into the subject of angels before you get to 
fallen angels. And very quickly, if you're not careful, and we shouldn't be careful, not in this way, we, we start, it starts to get dark, and it starts to get dark pretty quickly. Um, what do we learn? Angels were created by God. Um, when were they created? They were created at some time before creation, but beyond that, we, we don't know. What was their purpose? Praising God and executing God's plan. Oh, what a study. And this, this was all going on in, in a relatively few minutes in our house last night. Um, then we discovered, we didn't discover, but we talked about the fallen angel, the morning star, Lucifer, who wanted to take God's glory. Wow. And he convinced many angels to go and work with him to rob God of his glory. They're created beings and uh, subject to God. But we, in that falling, are subject to influences from that. And so last night, when we, when we finished, we realized that um, we need to be careful in our prayers to focus on the influences of angels and the influences of fallen angels, demons. And what is that? Is that moment by moment? I tend to think of that as the big stuff going on in the background, you know, that God's taking care of. But really, that's not the case. It's moment by moment. It can be, right? Is it a broken screen today that's had us all looking at words? I fell off my bike this morning. I know I'm going to be sore in the morning. Is it that? Is it on that micro level? Right? And so I think we need to just... um, step back and remember that although there is a battle going on, it's won. It's won through that by Christ who died on it for us, right? Everybody here. And so in that, and you're giving whatever that may be, financial or anything else, as we celebrate the community of Christ in this group of people, finding ways to love each other, um, remember that we do it in Jesus' name, not in your name, not in my name, in Jesus' name. And I think we can be thankful for that. So in Colossians, and you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh, that's Jesus, by his death in order to present us holy, blameless, and above reproach before him, God. Let's believe that. We are so, so important to Christ. By his Holy Spirit, let's pray. But Jesus, we invite you in into this service. You are here with us, Lord, and we thank you for the grace and the giving that you have provided to us. And we ask for your forgiveness, Father, that in the ways that that is made, made visible, is made audible, that we're not dialed in necessarily, Lord. So we pray protection over this congregation as we go out today. We praise the name of Jesus by your Holy Spirit and we rejoice in your holy name, Father. Amen. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we declare, Lord, we acknowledge with our lives that you have been so good to us. That though we rebel, though we stumble, though we fall, though we sin, Lord, your mercy's there. Your grace is there every day, every moment, every breath. And so we thank you for your goodness. And we pray, Lord, that you would show your goodness to your people here this morning. Just with your presence, God, that you would be among us. That you would choose to dwell among us, with us, Father. Inhabit our praises to hover over us. 
behind us, beside us, below us, before us, Lord, that you would be within us here today and that your spirit would speak to us by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit, Lord. We pray all these things in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus, amen. Amen. I realize I move a lot when I pray with my eyes closed. I almost fell right off the stage. That would have been weird. Hard to recover from that. Good morning and welcome to CFCC. It's so good to be with you guys here today. And uh, I just believe on mornings like this, where we kind of press through, you know, where the enemy tries to stop us at every, at every junction, at every intersection, that when we press through and we're faithful and we believe that God has a word for us, that it's going to it's going to speak to us. It's going to change us. It's going to transform us. No doubt this morning as you got up, there were things that probably hindered you, you know, screaming at the kids and, 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 and can't find your keys and it's going to rain today and all kinds of things you got pressing, you know, for the coming week. You got to get done and yet you're here. You're here. And we believe in the power of the word of God. We believe in the power of the body of Christ coming together that even if you don't feel some sort of like epiphany this morning, that your presence here with other believers is an encouragement to them. That maybe you're not just here for you, maybe you're here for someone else. I've already been encouraged by some faces, some people here this morning that are worshiping with us um, that have no idea how much they've just ministered to me by their presence. And so we believe this morning that God has a plan for us and he's gonna speak his word to us and that we're all gonna be encouraged and we're gonna leave here better. We're gonna leave here closer to Jesus, right? Amen. Well, as an art major in in college at the University of Houston, I spent a lot of time in in art museums. Uh, It was part of sort of my studies. It was what I did. I was a painting major uh, I remember when I told my mom that uh, I decided to go into, uh, well, I told her, uh, mom, after a few years in school, that um, I've decided I'm not going to be a professional painter. And she was like, oh my God, that's so good. That's, <laughs> what a relief. I've decided I'm going to go into the ministry. And she's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> the only thing that makes less than a painter. Uh, but I valued that education. It was a lot of fun. It was a, it's a passion of mine still. And I remember spending a lot of time in these museums. And, and uh, as I wandered, uh, by the way, Houston is like uh, second only to New York and L.A. in the country in terms of the art scene here. If you have not gone to the Museum of Fine Arts lately, you're missing out on a huge benefit of living in a big city. I mean, if you're going to put up with the heat and you're going to put up with the traffic and all of the other stuff that goes along with it, you should at least get some of the benefits like going to the Museum of Fine Arts. There's some amazing artwork there. There's an there's a, there's a, a exhibition right now on Vincent Van Gogh. Like, you don't even have to go to, to Amsterdam to, to see his stuff, you could come here. You could, you could just go down the street to the Museum of Fine Arts. I haven't been yet, but I hear it's awesome and you should go. But I remember walking through these grand halls of this giant museum and there was this one painting that would capture my attention every time I went, almost like no other painting that I've, that I've ever seen before. And uh, it's actually on the back of your, uh, your, your lyrics. We printed it out just so you could see it. We were going to put it on the screen and couldn't do that. So there you go. It's a painting by uh, an Italian artist named um, Mattia Preti. And actually who, who lived uh, much of his time on, uh, on the island of Malta, which is where we found Paul last week shipwrecked, right? So that's where Mattia Preti is from. And uh, he painted this painting in about, uh, what is it, 1654, kind of around that time, in the Baroque style of another painter named Caravaggio. Now see, Mom, that art history, that art degree just went, it just just paid for itself, right? So a lot of dramatic lighting, uh, it's, uh, you know, dark kind of sketchy backgrounds and these really sort of almost theatrical scenes with uh, the, the stark contrast and lighting. And this six by six foot painting is in the middle of one of these big grand hallways, halls in the Museum of Fine Arts with a huge ornate golden 
a border or a frame around it and it's centered on this one gigantic wall and then there's a bench right in front of it. And so I, anytime I get a chance to go, which is not often, but anytime I get a chance to go, I try to spend as much time in front of this painting as I can. I wanted to kind of just, just let you see it and, and I mean, it's you know distilled down to this little uh, piece of paper. You don't get kind of the, the drama of it. But it really moved me the, the first time that I saw it. And so what you see here is the martyrdom of St. Paul. Starting off on a real, you know, chipper note this morning. It's the martyrdom of St. Paul. And what you see, the way that the composition is sort of structured, your eyes are immediately drawn to the executioner, okay, who is about to unsheathe his sword and behead Paul there. And the way that his eyes are, are... Situated, He's looking toward Paul. It sort of draws your attention then to, to Paul who's knelt down. He's, Paul's an old man now here. And he's knelt down with his head bowed with the nape of his neck exposed. And he's, he's looking down at this Bible. Now, the Bible as we know it, of course, wasn't, wasn't put together in, 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 in a book form. So it's sort of symbolic of the fact that Paul saw Jesus as the fulfillment of the hope of Israel. And he, in this picture, is engulfed in the word of God. Almost completely oblivious to this man who is about to behead him, right? And there's something so powerful about that. I, I, I've stood in front of it and I've wondered before, I've wondered, you know, what were the, what are the witnesses around him thinking? What were they thinking there in that moment before he was executed? Um, And what was Paul's last words? What did he, what did he say? What did he choose to say? Did he use his, his language? Oh, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Did he shout that out at the top of his lungs like Braveheart just before he was executed? And did the people around him as they were looking at him, did they see the hope in his eyes? Did they, did they get a glimpse of it? Like right there, right there in the moments before he's about to be executed and to stand in the presence of God himself, did they see that hope? Did they see in Paul that, that death was gain? Right? Did, did, they, did they understand that there, there might be a, a coffin, though there might be a grave, though there might be a tomb, though there might be corruption and decay, that this moment right here was filled with the anticipation of glory for St. Paul? Did they see that? I wonder. Did they see hope that Paul clung to? And what's cool about this painting, if you really sort of take notice, so like as you look at, at Paul, his gaze sort of directs you to this open Bible, the scripture, the word of God, which kind of almost directs your gaze upward, right? It reflects your gaze upward to this Roman guard who's standing there on the left-hand side in, in black, and he's looking right at you. And it's almost as if he's asking the question, where's your hope? Today we find ourselves at the end of the book of Acts. We have been going through this series since uh, the the last quarter of last year. We took a break for for, uh, Christmas and the Advent season. And here we are, man, we have, this has been an exercise in discipline to go through this book, weeks and weeks and weeks. And we now find ourselves in chapter 28 of Acts. And if you're not careful as as you've, been listening to this book, you might mistake this book in the Bible as a biography of Paul. I almost did it again. You might mistake this book as a biography of Paul. Like a half to almost two-thirds of the book is sort of a historical account of his life and, and how he ministered. But that wasn't the writer's original intent. Luke, who, who wrote the book, didn't want that to be the focus. 
You know what, you might mistake the purpose of this book and the focus of this book to be about the church. But that wasn't Luke's intent when he read it. That wasn't his intent. Luke's design for this book was to describe the acts of Jesus accomplished by the Spirit. That was his purpose. He set out to describe the unstoppable progress of the gospel through the Spirit of God. The gospel of Luke was actually written before the book of Acts. And and in his design for the, the gospel of Luke, Paul says in Acts 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, he says that the gospel of Luke was written to tell all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. That was what the gospel of Luke was about. And the book of Acts then is about all that Jesus continued to do after that point. Like just a little reminder here, he's not dead, he's alive. We worship a risen savior, okay? So his work is continuing and that's what the book of Acts is about. It's not about Paul, it's not about the church, it's about what Jesus is continuing to do because he's alive, amen? Amen. And the way that Jesus continues his ministry is by being actively involved in every moment of our lives. Actively involved in every breath as we were singing just a a few minutes ago, from the moment I wake up until I lay my head, Jesus is working in our lives. Every breath, every moment. And like a good shepherd, he's moving us, he's prodding us, he's urging us. He's sending us to minister to the brokenhearted. That's what this series is, sent. We are a sent people, sent out by Jesus. And so last week, Travis and Dale, uh, with the help of the kids and some really gross sauerkraut, taught on Acts 27, and we, we learned there that Paul was a prisoner traveling to Rome on a ship that was shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And so the people, the, 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 he and his, his captors took refuge on this island of, of Malta. Now the reason that Paul was a prisoner is sort of laid out in an earlier chapter in Acts 21. So Paul is in the temple, he's going about his business, he's worshiping the Lord, and the Jews see him there, they're stirred up, they're angry at him, and so they accuse him of teaching people to break God's law, and they they accuse him of defiling the temple, none of which he did, but they were so angry and jealous with him that they these, these Jews stirred up a crowd and they grabbed him and they started beating him to death outside the temple. The Roman guards get word of this. They rush over. They literally save Paul's life from these, these Jewish people who are about to kill him. And he's acquitted of all of those charges. But the Jews were so angry, still so angry, they wouldn't let it go. And so Paul had to appeal as a citizen of Rome in, in the Roman Empire. He had to appeal his case to Caesar. So they load him up on a ship. They carry him across the sea. And that's where he's shipwrecked and on the island of Malta. In Acts 28, verse 11 is where we're going to pick up this morning. And so uh, if you want to turn there with a copy of scripture, um, you can follow with me. So he's on Malta here. And after three months, it says in verse 11, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead, gods of the sea there. Putting it at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Rigium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. And there, we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And I'll stop there for a moment. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep looking at this. So there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days and so we came to Rome. In verse 15 it says, and the brothers there when they heard about us came as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. So just to kind of recap there, Paul makes his way to, uh, 
So Puteoli, which is not in Rome, it's outside of Rome. It's, it's miles and miles away from Rome. And what's cool is he actually encountered, his word has gotten out that Paul is making his way to Rome. And so these guys hear about it and they're, they're brothers, they're, they're followers of the way, they're Christians. And so they don't even wait for him to get to Rome. They go and they meet him along the way. So, so, so Christianity has not only been established in Rome, we know it's in Rome, but it's also scattered throughout Italy. So really cool. So he stays there with them for a few days and then he decides to leave and gets a little further. He's just outside Rome, about 30 miles or so, and he encounters another group of brothers, of Christians. And these are the Christians from Rome who have longed to see Paul, to meet him face to face and to, and to hug him and to shake his hand. And so he meets them on this road, the form of Appius and three taverns, these, these two little spaces on, on the road to Rome and on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. These are the Christians whom Paul wrote to three years earlier in a little book that you have in the Bible called Romans. So Paul had longed, if you read Romans, Paul had longed to be with these guys. He he felt a call on his life to go to Rome, but he had been prevented by the Holy Spirit for a a, a number of reasons. And this had to have been an emotional meeting for Paul to see these guys face to face. These are the people that he, he wrote to, to, in view of God's mercies, mercies, in view of the grace of God, in view of the mercy of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. These are the words that he wrote to them. He, he wrote to them, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. These, one of his greatest theological works, he wrote to these guys, and so no wonder he was encouraged by seeing them and thanked God and took courage. And then it says in verse 16, and when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So again, remember, he's a prisoner here. And he's, he's um, although he's a prisoner though, over the last couple of years, uh, he has garnered some goodwill with the Roman soldiers, with these Roman guards. And he's been living on an island in Malta for, for months and months, shipwrecked. They've gone through all kinds of stuff. And so he's garnered all kinds of goodwill with these people. And so they actually give him the freedom to stay at a private residence, which is uh, uncommon, but in certain situations it was allowed. So when he wasn't staying in this, in this room, I'm sure there was a guard standing outside. Uh, when he was walking around town, he was loosely chained to a Roman guard. And the soldiers would be on a four-hour rotation, right? So every four hours, they'd switch out with another Roman guard. And so this rotation of guardsmen were essentially Paul's captives, right? They were his captive audience. All along the way, you know how, what a passionate uh, lover of scripture Paul was, And so you know that constantly he had to be not only talking about his faith, but living living out his faith. And the result was that Paul became, because of this rotation of soldiers, Roman guards who were chained to him, he became the talk of all of these guards. In the New Testament, as we read through the letters, this is what's so cool because of the story that we're reading, you can kind of zoom in in the epistles of Paul and see what he was thinking and what he was going through and what he was struggling with. And in, in, in the New Testament, we find out that he impacted more than just those guards who, who were chained to him. Um, it's estimated that there were about 9,000 Roman guardsmen at the time. Okay, and so word started to spread among these guards and the palace officials and Paul, his message, not just Paul, but his message became known to all of these guardsmen, all of these palace officials there. And even the pagans in the street, he began to kind of have a name for himself. And in Philippians, one of those places where you can sort of zoom in in scripture and hear about what he was going through, this was written during his imprisonment in Rome, Philippians was. And Paul mentions how God was accomplishing his purposes through Paul's incarceration. And he says this, 
This is in uh, Philippians uh, chapter one, verses 12 through 14. It says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, being incarcerated, being in prison, being in jail, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it, become, it became known throughout the whole imperial, imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. That's why I'm here. And most of the brothers have gained confidence, he says, in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. So, so, so what these, these Jewish people had intended to do to shut me up and to stop the progress of the gospel has gone to advance it even though I'm in change. In, in Colossians, he writes, Colossians chapter four, verse two through six. This is another letter that was written during Paul's imprisonment here in Rome. And he says, devote yourselves, speaking to the church in Colossae, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us. Luke is with him, right? The writer of this book, book and he's saying pray for us that God may open a door for us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should act wisely he says toward outsiders making hear this making the most of the time and let your speech Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer, answer each person. So don't miss this little passage. I know it's not in Acts here, but this passage in Colossians reveals something about Paul. He's, don't miss what he's saying here. He's asking for prayer that he may make the message about Christ known to everyone around him, that it may be effective, that it may be it may be transformative in the people around him, that, that God may open a door for them. What is Paul not praying? He's not praying that they be, he be released from prison. He's saying, don't focus on me, focus on the gospel. Focus on using every moment, making the most of your time, every breath from the moment you wake up until you lay your head, be focused on the advancement of the gospel for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's living out his own advice here. Many Romans were hearing the good news and Christians were becoming bolder as a result of Paul's witness. He was a man consumed with Jesus Christ. That's why I love that painting because he's so consumed by the word of God. Wherever you are, this is what I want you to hear today, wherever you are, and you may think that you're not in a very influential place. You may, you may think that you're not in a place where uh, you, you have many contacts or are or, uh, or able to, to interact with lots of people or, or in other influential people. Wherever you are, though, Paul says, make the most of your time. Make the most of your time. Remember back in Acts 23, this is what I was referring to earlier. Paul heard the Spirit of God say to him, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, the Spirit of God told Paul, so you must testify also in Rome. And so Paul had been desperately, because he felt this call in his life, he'd been desperately trying to make it to Rome. Remember we talked about Athens, Paul in Athens a few weeks ago? We talked about what a dream it must have been for him to be in Athens, the city of influence. It was even more so for Rome. I wish I, I was able to spend about a day in Rome, a day and a half in Rome about uh, six months ago. I cannot even begin to communicate to you the, the majesty of that city. Even the ancient buildings, it must have been just a dream for Paul to actually go there and see it and witness it and interact with those people. But I guarantee you, in his wildest of dreams, he never thought that he would go there as a prisoner. He's in Rome finally and in chains. And yet he's not complaining, he's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. 
And as it turns out, the chains that he was in, though he's in those chains, the gospel continues to move forward. Paul had no way of seeing it. This is what's really wild. Paul had no way of seeing it, no way of knowing it. But because Paul was a prisoner, and because he was made to, to sort of stay in one place for a couple of years there, he was able to dwell on the glory of God and dwell on the person of Jesus Christ and write these epistles, these letters to these other churches that would go on to be included in scripture that thousands of years later we would benefit from. And had he not been in that prison, that likely wouldn't have happened. And God had a plan for Paul and those chains couldn't stop that plan. Make the most of every opportunity that you have for the gospel. I'm not gonna spell that out for you. I'm not gonna prescribe what that looks like for you because it's different for every single person in here, but I want you to make the most of your time wherever you are, to be mindful of Jesus, to be mindful of the kingdom and for your words to be seasoned with salt. Let your speech be gracious so that you may know how you should answer each person. Make the most of those moments. If Paul can minister in change, you can minister in your workplace. You can minister at home. Uh, about five, six years ago, uh, maybe a little more than that now, there was a, a young father in our congregation who uh, made a series of bad choices and was involved in a drunk driving accident uh, that killed a young woman, a teenager. And uh, he attended here and worshiped with us uh, through that event and after that event, uh, but was subsequently found guilty and then sent to prison. And it was, uh, it was difficult to watch and to, to, to go through that with him and to see how, um, how it had ripple effects through his family and through his life. And he wrote, me a, uh, he wrote me a series of letters while he was in prison. His, his first letter that he wrote me I have to be honest, I hadn't reached out to him. I just confess here, I hadn't reached out to him and I felt really bad about it. And so the first letter that he wrote me sat unopened. I can't explain to you why, but it literally sat unopened on my desk for weeks and weeks and weeks. I could not bear myself to open it because I felt so much guilt for not reaching out to him. And so I finally wrote to him and and told him that and that I was so sorry and that uh, his, he hadn't left my mind and I was still thinking about him and, and praying for him. And he wrote me this letter and, and I have a, a whole stack of his letters, but I wanted to read this to you because every time I, I read his letters from prison, I thought about Paul. It sounded like that. The work that God was doing in him while he was in, in prison was a work that God couldn't do outside of prison. I mean, the, the gospel was advancing in his heart. And so he wrote to me, um, he says, uh, I was so surprised uh, uh, to hear about what I call the unopened letter story, is, is what he said. And uh, I have never shared this with you. Oh, he says, remember this of all things. And I've never shared this with you. And then in parentheses, he says it's sermon material. So, so here we go, right? He was right. This is October 1st, 2014. He says, there is nothing anyone can do or not do for me or to me that would upset, offend, or set, separate me from them. It is an insult to Jesus that he is not powerful enough to overcome it. In other words, it's an insult to God to think your sins are so big that his mercy cannot overcome it. All I'm doing is being obedient and allowing his mercy to overcome all, all my obstacles, troubles, worries, trials, 
prison time, absence of family, loneliness, my Cypher Christian Church family, and seeing you and your lovely family again. Know that his grace and his mercy is alive and well in here. And I'm just blessed to just get a whisper of breath from my Father above. Because that's all it takes, just a breath to overcome anything. Not even coiled razor, sharp barbed wire can keep away the hope and perseverance the Lord has given me and others. You will not fail me because Jesus' mercy covered that on the cross of love. He has no idea what this meant to me. He has no idea how it encouraged me, how it sort of restored me. He has no idea how it's maybe working in you right now as you hear it. In prison, in an orange jumpsuit, shackled and chained, surrounded by barbed wire, make the most of every moment, wherever you are. In verse 17, we're getting close here to the end. In verse 17, it says, Paul, after three days, he called together. Remember, every time Paul went into a city, he would, he would first go to the, to the Jews. That was his, his call and sort of his blueprint for presenting the gospel, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And so he couldn't go to the synagogue, so he called the Jewish believers to him. And when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Verse 18, when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case, but because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. Essentially what Paul's saying is he had done nothing against the Jews, the Romans had nothing against him, and Paul himself, he is clarifying that he has nothing against the Jews. And the reason that he was there, the reason that he was there before them was to clarify all of this. And it was because of Israel's messianic expectation fulfilled in Jesus that he was a prisoner. The message translation translates that last verse like this. I love this. Paul says, I am a hostage for hope, not doom." What are you a hostage for? What are you chained to today? Is it your work? Is it your calendars, your bank account? What are you chained to? What are you a hostage of? Paul might be in chains, but he's not a hostage of Rome. He's a hostage of hope. He's a hostage for the gospel of Jesus. It has captivated his heart, and he's gonna use every moment for it. Verse 30, Paul presents the gospel to these, to these um, the Jews there in Rome, and it doesn't go great. <laughs> you gotta be honest, it's, it's sort of an anticlimactic ending here. And they don't all respond. They sort of disagree with Paul. They disagree with one another, and not very many of them, if any of them, uh, believe he says some were convinced by what he said but others disbelieved like others like stiff armed it like chose not to believe and he quotes a passage of scripture their eyes have grown dull their heart has grown dull they can barely hear their eyes have closed and then it says in, in verse 30 that he lived there two whole years at his own expense, continuing to live in Rome, and welcomed all who came to him. Still a captive, still loosely chained to these guards every four hours. Proclaiming every moment the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And this is where Luke puts his pen down. 
at the end of the book of Acts. And a lot of us like closure, right? We like, uh, we like happy endings. We, we, we like for uh, all the loose ends to be tied up. We like for songs to resolve on the root. We like, we like endings that, that resolve. And this doesn't for some reason. We're not exa- exactly sure what happened to Paul after this. We have some dates and we can sort of theorize. We like, uh, we, we, we're not sure how long he lived. We don't know how long he was able to go on ministering unhindered. We can't even be certain if, if he made it to Spain, which he longed to, to make it to. And so it essentially acts ends on a big to be continued. We've gone all this way and it just sort of ends there. Why? Why, why, why would it end that way? It's almost as if Luca is saying here in these, in these last words, the book is finished, but the mission Jesus assigned to the church isn't. In the, those last few words that Paul says, or, or that, that Luke says about Paul, he makes Jesus at the center, not, not Paul, is not the center of that verse. He's not the center of the book of Acts. It's the proclamation of the gospel is central. And that's gotta continue happening. It's to be continued because you and I now get to step into the story of Acts. We sort of get to write the next chapter of the book of Acts. God is inviting you into the story. We are a sent people. We are not people who land here at church. We're not people who have arrived at church. We are people who are broken, who need the gospel every single day of our lives. And God sends us, he calls us to go out into the world for this place not to be a landing pad, but a launching pad into the world. To be light in the darkness and to take the gospel in the name of Jesus for his glory and for his renown, for his fame. And so while, while God replaces messengers over time, the message and the mission assigned to Christians will remain unchanging until the king returns. And so God is calling you into this story. God is calling you to, to wherever you are to make the most of your time. And, 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 and to be witnesses for his glory and for his renown. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are. Nothing should stop you from being able to use your time for Christ Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father God, I just, I just want to thank you, Lord, for calling us into this story and I don't know, honestly, I don't know what this looks like in every person's life. I don't know what it means for them to make the most of their time. Anything that I could think of or come up with, Lord, would probably be too simple and, 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 and too basic, Lord. But you know the hearts of the people who've gathered here today. You have called us, you have commissioned us, Lord, to go and make disciples. And that may mean across the sea, that may mean in a place that doesn't speak our language. But Lord, it may mean our backyards. It may mean with, with our coworkers. It, it may mean at a, at a crawfish boil. It might be a, a, a work party. It might be in the neighborhood, on the baseball field. Lord, you have called us to use every moment whether we're in church or we're standing in line at the grocery store for our words to be seasoned with salt and gracious at all times so that we may know how we should respond to each person. Lord, use us. I pray, Father, that, that we would see ourselves as hostages for hope that we are captives for Jesus, not captive by something in our life, not captive by something in this world, but captives of hope, captives of Jesus himself. 
and that we would be compelled, Lord, by what Jesus has done for us to live our lives for him. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for using broken vessels like us. We thank you for your goodness, Father, that you show us goodness despite our sins and where we fail you. And we're thankful that as as my friend said in this letter that Jesus' sacrifice covers it all. We give you thanks here today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna invite our servers to come up to the front and to get their communion stations ready. And uh, as we do, just want you to consider maybe what you've heard today through scriptures, what the Spirit is speaking to you today. Where is God wanting to use you? Are you making the most of your time? And be thankful for the mercy of God found in Jesus. The cross of love covers it all. We invite you to take communion here this morning. We take it by uh, dipping the bread into the cup. The person will give you a little piece of bread and break it off and they'll say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And then you'll take that piece of bread and dip it into the cup as they say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you for you for the forgiveness of your sins it's gone it's thrown in the depths of the sea God has forgotten it as far as from the east is to the west that's how great his mercy is and so we invite you to come this morning all believers to receive um, this gift that Jesus has given us to remember him and his goodness would you come Thank you.